This is a Relay Project. Real Talk starts right now. Here's Ryan Jesperson. Well, happy uh, Tuesday, the first show back, first day back, really, from the Canada Day long weekend. Uh, perhaps some of you joining us from the road. We love that. Maybe live streaming this audio on the Mixler audio app presented by California Closets. Ryan Jesperson here with John Hicks. Yeah, how was your weekend? Uh, not bad, buddy, but yeah. before, we, before we go any further, you've, you've got an, an, an American angle on I your do. own family yeah. history, on your own personal yeah. uh, genetic makeup. There's there's some American in you, so allow me Fourth as well July. to wish you a happy 4th of Thank July. You. Is was... it something that you celebrate or think about, or is, is it on your radar? I mean, sure, I was born in the USA. <laughs> yeah, yeah, good, good protest song for the boss dade county miami florida but yeah i had some uh, relatives down there i wasn't able to make it but having a big uh family reunion so got to kind of chat oh, yeah. with them and connect with them cool. and they're still down there uh lots of my roots in paducah kentucky so really yeah a lot all of, of the places your family mm. is from are very fun to say they are very fun to say. Paducah yes. County. Wow. Paducah, Kentucky. Oh, Paducah, Kentucky. But it, yeah, it yeah. is Paducah County down there. And uh, yeah. Long and what's the Florida? Dade County? Dade County, Miami, Florida. That is just where sounds I was cool. Born. Yeah. Pitbull. Yeah. Mr. 305 is also from there. <laughs> is that so. where Pitbull's from? <laughs> now we know where you're getting it from. The, the, the DJ yeah. uh, comes on us to you. Yeah. Uh, Charles our, Adler's going to join us in, in a couple minutes. Yes. And of course, he spent some uh, a good, uh, I mean, that's where he won his Emmy, down in Boston. Spent yeah. a lot of time down in the States. We'll get his, his take on that. And lots to talk about. I was, oh I was off the grid. Uh, had literally zero bars reception. A fantastic and a great mental refresh over the weekend. You but well rested? Yeah. No, not at all. Uh, one either. of our... No, <laughs> no, 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 we're rolling. We're I'm uh, feeling a little rolling on fumes today, buddy. But, but those little... are the best talk shows. Yeah, uh, where where we're just the tiniest little bit delirious. But a friend joined us. We were doing our sort of our annual. My brother turned forty over the weekend, and so we were celebrating him getting our jeeps out and, and sleeping in tents and the whole nine yards. It was just a great time. Great. Well, I was sleeping in a tent. All these guys have their beautiful big trailers, but I'm still keeping it real in yeah. the tent. Uh, but somebody comes in uh, arriving about thirty six hours after the rest of us, and they go, "Did you?" hear about what happened in didsbury crazy said, what happened right? in didsbury and like a, a huge like a legit tornado not one of these ones where people are going like oh yeah they saw a funnel cloud off in the distance and, and caught it on film mm-hmm. this was a legit swath of destruction yeah and, and so when we rolled in actually just got home this morning um couldn't couldn't believe it couldn't believe the video that i saw we'll get into that in it just a crazy. second but the absolutely mind-blowing stuff mm-hmm. i don't know why we think that it it doesn't happen or it doesn't happen as often in our neck of the woods because yeah. it does Obviously, Alberta's seen them before, but but this but just, one was no joke. Just some weird weather this summer. I drove out to Invermere for a wedding this weekend in BC, so I left there on uh, Sunday, and it was beautiful. Twenty six yeah. degrees, sunny, and then as you got to Banff, it was it was great. Yeah, and then Calgary, eh, not so good. And then as I'm getting it, like forty minutes, you know, Red Deer into Alberta, it just looked like dystopia. It looked like. 
and th- some of that wildfire smell is coming back. Yeah. And there was just, it was rainy. It was like 13 degrees. Yeah. And the skies just looked apocalyptic. It was yeah. crazy. Yeah. Yeah. Wild. So we'll, we'll get into that. And, and then, of course, news of the day. There's a lot to catch up on. They, they mm-hmm. brought up the remnants, at least the ones they could salvage, the ones they could find at the Titan sub. Very sad. We'll talk about that. The Alberta's got its new sunshine list out. So it's like public servants that make over a certain amount of money. Basically, if you make just over six figures, your, your salary is made public. I don't know if the average person combs through this. Uh, of course, I do. I go of like, course, look I for, it's all see. it's in alphabetical yeah. order. So I go look for all the people that I know. Find out. <laughs> what, but I don't know. I kind of have mixed feelings about this. I'm all about transparency. The show's all about you know we should know what people on the public purse on the public dime I guess are making or or should I mean yes and no I'm all twisted up on this I want to put that in front of the Titan in front of Charles Adler and then Edmonton following uh, Victoria and other Canadian cities that have implemented these bag bans plastic bag bag bans Mm -hmm. ahead of banning like straws and and a bunch of other stuff Mm -hmm. trying to get rid of single-use plastics but um, some people are blowing a gasket the change is hard bags yeah yeah but but I don't know on this one it's being criticized some people are saying it's just not even practical you know, fast food places are, are now charging 15 cents for paper bags. It's like, well, if you can't have plastic and they're charging for paper. What else is somebody yeah. supposed to do with all their fries, man? I experienced this. So I went and got sushi on Sunday night. And, yeah. and as I'm calling in the takeout order, she says to me, and it's the first time I've heard it. Hey, we've got to charge you 15 cents for these bags. Oh, yeah. And I showed up and instead of in the plastic, it was two of these big kind of looks like you're ordering from New York now because they had always used the, the plastic bags for yeah. the sushi and the, the Asian food. So huh. we're going to get into it. And of course, uh, whatever our live tuning audience has on their minds as well. I won't say whatever, because sometimes it's just way off in left field. You know who I'm talking to, but we love having Canada's most engaged talk audience with us along for the ride. Our YouTube live chat of course live streaming and we want to remind you that this episode is presented uh, by our friends at Danatech. Do you need safety training that actually makes a difference on your job site that's actually effective that actually resonates? Danatech has been the leader in Canadian safety training for more than 30 years. Their online blended and instructor-led training courses combine regulatory compliance with real-world smarts and practical tips from experts who actually know how busy job sites work. You know what I'm talking about? Some of the safety training? Uh, Out to lunch, right? Well, not Danatech, because the instructors, the people designing this, putting the courses together, have actually been there. They've walked miles in those steel-toed boots. You can visit danatech.com today to check out their course catalog and train your team the right way today. That's danatech.com. Sorry, they were in paper bags. I said plastic. Paper bags. Hey, look Got at my that. first taste of paper bags. Real-time fact-checking from Is this helping, though? John Hicks. It's helping? I don't know well, if it's helping. Well, we'll get into it. Let's find out what Adler thinks about this and a million other things. Uh, this guy, as if he needs any introduction, he's an RTDNA Lifetime Achievement Award winner. He's an Emmy Award winner. Uh, perhaps the biggest name in the history of Canadian talk radio. <laughs> and he joins us the first episode of every week on long weekends. That means it's a Tuesday morning with Charles Adler. Good to see you, pal. How are you? I'm not can, doing can, not doing too bad. Can we start with the ha- the handsome, infamous one? Yeah. All right. So handsome. Uh, can I wish you a happy fourth? Thank you, sir. Thank you so much. Yeah. yeah. Chuck, do you do you observe and celebrate the Fourth of July? Uh, you're, are you? As Robert De Niro once said in Taxi Driver, "You're talking to me." Yeah, I'm talking to you. <laughs> <Talking> to me. <laughs> <laughs> I. 
I don't, I don't mean to sound hokey here, but every day that I'm alive, because you know, you talked about being on fumes earlier, right? Yeah, sure. I've been, I've been running on fumes for my entire life. I don't want to get into <laughs> any of the dark stuff, but let's just say I don't, I don't sleep well. I've never slept well, so I'm always running on fumes. And one of the reasons I love doing this, this business is that, for whatever reason, the public communication allows me, on the one hand, to run on fumes, and on the other hand, to be as spontaneous. And as real as possible. So it's a curse not being able to sleep, and it, it's a gift. So I just wanted to wish uh, Johnny a, a happy fourth because I heard oh, a few moments you, ago that he was born in, in Dade County. I, I didn't know that. Yeah, Dade County, Miami, Florida. And not to date myself, but it was in the 80s, which was uh, my mother was a nurse. She went down there because if you wanted to learn how to be a nurse, Dade County in the 80s was the Is that right? ground zero for the drug wars in Miami. So you got to learn oh, literally yeah. everything. And she told me horror stories, at, not till I was older, but I said, you know, tell me a bit. And she's like, it, just crazy things. She'd, she'd be attending to someone with a gunshot wound. She'd leave. She'd come back a little later and, and someone was suffocated or had been snubbed out. Well, like she in was, the hospital? Oh, yeah. There were murders in the hospital. People were, it was, it was a drug haven, right? The wars were crazy back then. So, yeah. Wow. Well, Scarface, literally based on what was going on down in Miami in those days. So You're going to yeah. tell us that one of the characters was based on your mama? No, but, <laughs> but she saw some crazy, some stuff she didn't want to discuss with me, but she told me some stories like that where, yeah, it was, wow. it was insane. Yeah, so. so, Johnny, you must be an honorary Colombian. <laughs> no. Well, look at how tight his fate is. <laughs> <laughs> Nobody's got a neater, more better trimmed beard than Infamous. Yeah, yeah there no, is a Miami. He's got a little. Through. He's got a little bit of Hispanic in him. I can tell. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. He's got and, the style. And he came by it honestly. Gunshot wounds. Yeah, I mean, there's only one guy with his uh, shirt buttoned all the way up to the top in here today, Johnny. Hey, 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 hey. <laughs> I love how this is like you know three Canadians getting together to talk about the Fourth sure. of July, and we go to shootings and murders in hospitals well, we in the have first to. thirty we have seconds. To. And, and if, uh, if, by the way, just uh, let everyone know. If you're one of these people that is offended uh, easily, go away. I don't, I don't want to have to apologize. Well, no, no, no. Just, stick just, around. Stick around and then write us angry emails. <laughs> we can read them for Trash Talk on Friday. Don't oh, go oh, anywhere. Don't I'm, go anywhere. I'm sorry. I forgot. We're, we're, we're <laughs> it's all part this of the plan, Adler. This is this is what happens after 50 years, my friend. You get a little complacent about about stuff. That's right. If you're if you if you're offended easily, please stay with us because if you're if you're addicted to being offended, we are real talk. More to come. We are your show. More to come. We promise right. you'll uh, find, so, if, you, if you love being so, offended, we promise you'll find something here today. So I wanted to, so Johnny, how many citizenships have you got right now? I'm, I'm a dually. I'm, I'm still many, a dually. Yeah, you so, are. You do yeah, have. I'm a, I'm a dual yeah. lined up. Yeah. yeah. So I could go down there and leave you all in the dust. Please don't. To. No, I don't. <laughs> I, I actually, I'll take this moment to say I love Canada. I think, as Charles does, I think Canada is the, the greatest country on the face of the planet right now in terms of freedom and, and just open space. And, you know, people talk about it. There's more people in California than in Canada. Like, we have yeah. we have a beautiful country here and, and a lot to uh, be thankful for. So, Hey, Chuck, can I looked we... At, I looked at a heat map the other day. It was, you know, it was a, it was a map of... The United States and Canada just heat map in terms of, you know, density of population. And I'm telling you, Canada outside of, you know, with the part everyone knows, Ontario, Quebec, you know, what's known as Central Canada, which is never fair because the the center of North America is is just a few miles from where I live, right here on, on my little house in the prairie. But nevertheless, we call Ontario and Quebec Central Canada. 
that's where the heat is. That's where almost all the population is. So when they go into the part of Canada that, that Johnny and, and you and I and many people who are watching and listening to this right now, you know, Western Canada, Western Canada, Western Canada looks like the big empty. Yeah. Hey, Chuck, you were down in Boston for what a couple of few years what was it like can, can you take us through that because you could you 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 had this like i mean you never talk about this yourself so let me just you know sure. embarrass you just a little bit you you're a hot commodity you've been for the better part of a, a half a century and, and and you were lured down uh can i say like for, for yes, big you I were was. lured down for lured. big dollars it wasn't it wasn't it wasn't it wasn't, it wasn't creepy it wasn't <laughs> it wasn't sexual <laughs> Jeez. Nobody said it was, man. You have to say that these days because everyone thinks that everything is about, you know, that's where everything goes, whether it's right wing or left wing. It always, it always, it always goes to the bedroom or the bathroom. Yeah. It wasn't either of those things. Yeah. It was the boardroom. It was just business. So you, but you were like, you were kind of the, uh, I mean, like, but you were, you were filling in for Hannity. You were doing big talk. You were kind of like a big, like Republican talk guy, right? Yeah, I was, (laughs) that's right. I was, I always laugh at the people, uh, these trolls. And I realize that many of them are bots, but you know, they, they want so badly to call me a socialist, right? I don't wear the right, uh, I don't wear the right clothes. I don't wear the right, I don't have the right tone. I don't have the right biography, but they've declared that because I, I, I think, Polyev is is a dweeb and, and a loser. Well, uh, in that case, he must be a commie, right? Uh, no, I, I'm not a not a commie, and I wasn't a commie when I was working for for Fox News. <laughs> was it when you did like? Was it a tough decision for you to move down there? Because you could you could have no. stayed down there for your whole career, but you, you ended up coming back to Canada, which was I was lured. I was, you know, once again, it was just business. I was I was lured back to Canada. The this uh, company out of Toronto. Uh, for you know whatever reason, wanted to pay me exponentially more than they had paid me a few years ago, just before I went to the state. So I can I can talk about this a little bit now uh, because he he has passed. Uh, Gordon Lightfoot ha- has passed. Gordon Lightfoot and Gordon Lightfoot is the guy, even though Gordon Lightfoot is Mister Canada for a whole host of very very good reasons. Uh, Mister Canada honestly believed that he would never be the hit that he became in Canada had he not gone to the states. So over the years, I got to know Gordon Lightfoot a little bit, and he was a, a bit of a fan, I guess, or admirer, or whatever you want to call it, just a fellow artist. And he'd be listening to me a lot on, on CFRB in Toronto because he'd be up and down that 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 carefree highway between Aurelia, his, uh, his hometown, and Toronto for business. Just business, not sex, just business. Anyway, Gordon, Gordon Lightfoot said, you know how the, the old expression, go west, young man? Yeah. He said, go south, young man. Mm. He said, uh, if I really want to be respected in the industry in Canada, the best and fastest way to do that, based on his own experience, is to um, do some stuff in the States. Huh. And so I allowed myself to be lured to the States, and then Canada lured me back uh, for much more than than what I was getting. Uh, same company that I had left. And uh, Gord Lightfoot, once again, was proven to be 100% correct, because... I can't honestly say that I was a different human being uh, when uh, I was lured back uh, five years after I left. I mean, I had learned some things naturally. You learn things no matter where you go. So naturally, I learned some valuable things in the States. And I love I love Americans for a whole host of reasons. One of them is just business. Americans were very, very good to me. And uh, it was because of my American experience that my Canadian experience became uh, much better for me. And I realized once again, you know, we, we qualified all this by... Uh, some people will be offended by virtually everything that's said in this conversation. And I realize I've just offended a lot of people 
by sharing uh, Gordon Lightfoot's wisdom. Yeah, well, I think you're going to offend a bunch of people by suggesting that they're going to be offended uh, by anything we talk about because that's what they show up for. But, you know, there's right. a lot of people right now, I think a lot of Canadians that look down in the States and and they see, you know, for example, what's looming, which appears to be, a, a if, if I can say, in, in my opinion, a, a presidential race with... I don't know if I want to say two lousy choices because I know that like there's one in my opinion and in my estimation when a president's like been indicted essentially for for like you know I mean um, breaching national security hoarding documents stolen material I mean I just I, I can't even believe what's going on on the Republican side of the ledger and, and if Trump wins that nomination which he probably will then and and then which probably will lead to him becoming president again which I would say is my just want, is I just want to know that everywhere here. I'm not a, I'm not a supporter of Donald Trump but I'm really not a supporter of bullshit. Everywhere Donald Trump goes, so-called lawmen, that's, that was the old-fashioned terms. I guess you're supposed to say law people, or supposed to, you're supposed to say police officers. Everywhere he goes, even though Donald Trump is seen by many people as a, a criminal, I try to be accurate about it, he's an unprosecuted criminal. Uh, he's indicted on a, a criminal charge, several of them, but he's an unprosecuted criminal. Many see him as a, as a criminal, no different than a convicted criminal. But the point is the law people, okay, police officers everywhere are asking for his autograph. And I could, I could make this a real politically correct conversation by saying 99.999% of officers aren't. I don't know what the percentage is. I just know everywhere he goes, police officers, firefighters, and other people who are considered pillars of American communities are asking for his autograph. So for anyone who wants to make the assumption based on spin that's coming from various networks that Donald Trump doesn't have a chance of becoming president. Ryan Jesperson, you're one of the first people that I spoke to in this country who said he has an excellent chance of the nomination. He has an excellent chance to win the presidency, and he does. And if, if people are offended by that, so, so be it. That's real talk. Yeah, I mean, I, I just think that if, if, if he wins the Republican nomination and if Joe Biden runs again, which he says he's going to, uh, I I just think that it's I don't know, man. I I just don't. It's a think mismatch. That, yeah, and I, I don't it's think a mismatch. that's good Joe, for Joe, the states. Joe Biden, uh, you know, God love him. Uh, Joe Biden uh, cannot uh, stay in the ring with Donald Trump. Uh, Donald, uh, the, the Democrats are making this big deal about how they, they really hope, uh, you know, thoughts and prayers, hopes and prayers, whatever, that Donald Trump is Republican nominee because how could he possibly win? And uh, Democrats uh, do get uh, very very smug do get very naive, very, very full of themselves frequently. Uh, in this country, liberals have done that. That's It's one of, it's one of the, the tags of success. Uh, successful people, successful institutions get complacent very, very easily. And so the complacent Democrats believe that Joe Biden can easily defeat Donald Trump, and there is no one that Donald Trump would rather have in the ring with him. No one, and no one that Donald Trump's supporters would rather have in the ring with him than Joseph Biden. Yeah, Jillian's watching live, and and Jillian says, quote, two lousy choices, uh, you know, what I just said. Uh, although I will say, Jillian, I'm already offering caveats before I even read your comment. I did, I, I kind of double-clutched there. I checked myself, and I'll explain in a sec. But she says, two lousy choices equates Trump with Biden, and that helps Trump. That's how Trump beat Hillary. And sure, and I get Jillian's point. Uh, Biden's 
record as president is is one that you can run on i think he's had a couple real wins and chuck we've talked about that before the debt ceiling and everything else and we've got into it and 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 all the political nerds and geeks like us that follow it would say that you can on you know with pencil and paper write out a perfect campaign for joe biden i just think that the optics of it and i think when you have somebody with as sharp a tongue as trump and the nicknames and the attacks and biden falling on the stage at the air force thing and everybody's gonna go jasper city tripped on a sandbag beat it but it's just the optics it's 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 taking that video and spinning the narrative that you know by the time this guy finishes his second term if he's elected he's going to be closer to 90 than 80 and i just i i don't know i just think i see i see holes in i i, I see cracks in the foundation and i think that if you're like a an ardent democrat you got to be like whether or not you admit it publicly i've got nothing to lose nor nothing to gain here i'm doing this you know north of the border but like you got to admit you know that you know you've got sort of a what do i want to say like you're it's like being a toronto maple leafs fan you can talk <laughs> about winning the stanley cup but you know your roster's full of holes though yeah, maybe not as many much, holes you're, as a few you're, days ago. you're much better off playing three periods with a net that isn't empty yeah you right? know so you've but got a much me- better chance if you have a goal goaltender and uh joe, joe biden's a lot of things he ain't no goalie he can't he can't stop a puck and all donald trump does all day long is fire pucks. Donald Trump doesn't sleep either. Donald Trump fires pucks in his sleep. Donald Trump is on fumes. But for someone like me, with with my experience, whether it's my American experience, my Canadian experience, my world, whatever it is, for someone like me, a public communicator for just over half a century now, because fifty years uh, anniversary, fifty year anniversary was was on Saturday on Canada Day. It started all started fifty years ago. So here's the deal. I would be, I think, um, not true to my skill set if I were to deny that Donald Trump to the average American is much more of an American president making them feel large about their country than Joe Biden. And you know it when you see it. You know it when you feel it. And it's got nothing to do with individual lines that he does. And I'm not talking about uh, Joseph Biden's, uh, you know, budgetary skills and, and 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 where the American economy is and all the stuff you talk that the, uh, you know, the geeks talk about. Those are not what drives the average American to mark an X beside R or D. They, they just aren't. It, I could I could make the case all day long that the American economy is in in better shape. But because of the experience that I have as a public communicator, I always ask myself this question. Which one of the two, and it's always a binary choice, which one of the two makes the average American identify with his country? Mm. And the average American identifies Donald Trump as the American candidate. And once again, I'll I'll throw in the, the caveat. I, I, I get that, that people can't stand to, to hear that kind of stuff. But the way I look at it, I get paid. I've been paid handsomely for a long time now to tell the whole truth and nothing but the truth. I'm not I'm not trying to become an MSNBC groupie or a left-wing groupie or a progressive groupie or anything like that. Um, I've, I've said a million times, depending on the issue, I'm on this side or that side. I'm all over the road, okay? I'm the most dangerous driver on the information highway. I'm all over the road. And so I'm not telling you what I'm telling you because I support Donald Trump. I oppose Donald Trump. 
with all my heart and soul, I oppose Donald Trump, but I really oppose the idea of bullshitting the audience. Yeah, 100%. Uh, Vince on our chat says, well, Joe won last time. Why discount him? And and, and Joe, I mean, there, there's an argument to be made there. I would just say, you know, he's four years older. And and, and a bunch of you, we'll probably get some emails from people saying, this is ageism and, and this is BS and take it back. And maybe it is. It's just in politics, optics matter. Like, whether you like it or not, I mean, we, we had a comment on here. Someone said, this is from Tony. She says, informed people will base their vote on, on records, you know, on the, on the politicians' records. But the average person only goes by what's on social media. And it's sad, but it's the truth. A bunch of other people are pointing out that Trump's not that much younger than Biden. That's true as well. Biden's 80 right now. Trump's 77. Um, so there's it's not like there's this huge difference. I guess if I'm a campaign strategist, I'm probably looking at Kamala Harris and, and saying that, you know, you've, you've obviously got to you know, push her into a position of more prominence, uh, you know, maybe give her some some even more opportunity on the campaign trail. Don't spin it. Don't make it look like you're saying what you're not saying, which is like, you know, in case of disaster, she will be your president. But it's got to be a subtle element of that campaign. She is uh, incredible with crowds. She is an incredible communicator. She's a savvy politician. She's a huge talent, obviously a formidable force uh, in the United States. But I, I would suggest that while Trump there's no room outside of that shadow, all right? I mean, like, look at the guy's own private jet, huge Trump emblazoned across the side. Nobody even probably knows. I mean, obviously, people do know Mike Pence, but people don't. People aren't going to know who the, the vice presidential nominee is, who his running mate is, but I think it's more relevant for the Democrats just because of spin, because of where people's minds are at, because how susceptible people are to being influenced by visuals. I mean, Trump, walk, or rather, Biden walking off a television set the other day no big deal i don't know if that's happened to you before chuck it i've done a lot of live tv it's happened to me before where a guest just brain fart or otherwise or who knows <laughs> as soon as you thank them for their time before you throw to commercial they get up and just wander off set and you don't i mean biden did it the other day and all of a sudden of course his opponents sp start spinning it like he's losing his marbles whether that's fair or not it was a landed blow yeah i uh, i walked off <laughs> I, I was in my 20s, and maybe I, I had lost my marbles. It was a TV set. It was in uh, Barrie, about an hour north of uh, uh, Toronto, and uh, the show hadn't ended yet. Uh, I was anchoring the Lady <laughs> Newscast. show hadn't ended yet, but I, I guess it ended for me, uh, and I, I walked off the set uh, you know, like se seconds before I was I was supposed to. So, you know, the credits are, are, are starting to roll, but you're supposed to sit. Remember, remember the days of, um, of, of TV where you're supposed to sit there and uh, mark up your copy. You know, you get your pencil or pen out or marker, whatever, and you're you're marking you're marking your copy while the credits are rolling. Do you remember those newscasts? Uh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Hundred okay. percent. So that that was my job as anchor. I'm supposed to be, you know, you know, looking like I'm looking over my copy and marking it off. I'm being this good journalist, whatever, whatever. And I uh, I did a little bit of that. And I got bored with that. I was, I was just, I was just bored with the entire, the entire hour. Uh, to me, was was broadcast debauchery. It was just, it, I was very unhappy with, with the entire hour uh, that we did that night. And uh, I guess I kind of lost my mind. And I only marked my copy for a few moments. And then you see me unhooking my IFB and and walking off the set. And uh, and it was not a good day. The following day, in the uh, in the boss's office, trying to explain why I uh, why I had done that because it, it wasn't politically appropriate to say this job is 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 really sucking and i'm looking at, at three different offers and 
And that's what I had on my mind that night, my exit strategy. And I, I know that's not the most professional approach. I didn't say any of those things, but that, that's really what it was. I yeah. just, I just, I'd lost my concentration, lost my focus, walked off the set. Can't, can't say it was because of my age. Yeah. Uh, this is a fair comment from Justin as well. He says, if anybody can set his own agenda or walk off the set of a newscast, it should be the president of the United States. He's got better things to do than wait for a TV commercial break, <laughs> which is a fair play from Justin. I mean, Justin maybe deserves a job here in Biden's comms team. I don't know. That was that was good spin. That was good spin. I don't well, mind. It, the thing is, uh, can we can we just bring this home? You know, Dad, I, the old expression I've used for a long time, Daddy wants to bring it home. Can Daddy bring this home to Alberta? No, I'm not going to call you Daddy, but you go ahead. Okay, so uh, uh, whatever you want to call me, but here's the deal. Um, I I, uh, I really think that some people in Alberta throughout the campaign uh, and, of course, even after the campaign, refuse to admit that that rule I was telling you about, that you know, the, the, the person who the average American identifies with as America, whether they love him, hate him, in the middle, whatever, is generally the person who wins, okay? And uh, Donald Trump right now versus Joe Biden. Donald Trump is, in my opinion, the, the America choice, American choice and America's choice. And I think the same thing happened in Alberta. And I realize that, uh, once again, there are many people who don't like uh, the UCP and don't like Danielle Smith, and I certainly was uh, 100% in support of, of Rachel Notley. But if you take a look at the the simple the simple math in terms of where the voters are in most parts of Alberta, right? And yes, you you absolutely have to include rural Alberta. I'm getting sick and tired of this idea of you you dismiss people who 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 live you know 10 miles out of town. I think that's ridiculous. We're all equal, okay? That's that's what we are in Canada. We're equal. In most parts of Alberta, Danielle Smith, the UCP, that was what they identified as as the Alberta choice. And I, I don't want to sit here and offer a thousand apologies to NDP supporters and Rachel Notley supporters for saying that, but I'm saying it because it's true. Mm. Yeah, I, I shared a story. Uh, I can't remember if it was before or after the election, but right around that time. And, and I talked about a friend of mine. She and I were chatting uh, on, a, on a soccer sideline, and, and uh, she's extremely intelligent, um, very savvy, like, uh, you know, all the things. Uh, she ticks all the boxes, and, and she made a candid comment to me that kind of stopped me in my tracks for a second. Um, she said, I, she said I, I, you know, she, she was one of those – She's not afraid to talk about who's uh, catching her attention, who she might vote for. She's not afraid to ask her friends who they're voting for. I know a lot of people don't talk about that, or maybe that culture is changing. And uh, she told me that she was wrestling with the decision. And she said, I, she said, honestly, she said, I'm, I'm having a, a hard time uh, kind of, you know, endorsing or, or giving my vote to, to Danielle Smith. She goes, I, I just don't, I don't know if I can vote conservative. She goes, but also she goes, I, I don't want to feel un-Albertan. And I kind of went, ooh, like that that's quite a thing, you know, to suggest that a vote for the NDP would cause her to feel un-Albertan. It's kind of funny if, if you look at, I mean, Rachel Notley, somebody said, uh, you know, just last week that Rachel Notley, if you pay attention to the Calgary Stampede this week and next, Charles, you're going to see every Alberta politician, at least most of them, trying to get in front of the cameras, flipping flapjacks and doing everything they can, attending hobnobbing at all the oil and gas parties and everything else. And, and, and don't get me wrong, I'm going to be there rubbing shoulders at a few of them as well, because it's where you got to be if you're in that circle of influence. But someone said just last week you, you watch and pay real close attention 
uh, Rachel Notley will be the most comfortable uh, in uh, Wranglers and boots at the Calgary Stampede. Yet still, uh, some people, including people that are, you know, savvy with it, folks, movers and shakers, still perceive the NDP to be a party that's not exactly, quote unquote, Albertan. And that is a huge hill to climb if you're a campaign manager if you're a political strategist that's a tough one to get past that's like a culture thing uh, but but if we get into the bowels of the campaign a little bit and once again i was you know supporting notley i kept saying supporting notley not the ndp because very difficult in the, in the world that i come from uh to with a straight face say i support the ndp well you're a I, capitalist i'm a capitalist Yes, yeah. I I don't I don't apologize for being a capitalist, and I I I've always honestly believed that you will never have a secure social safety net unless you've got large pools of capital that are active mm -hmm. and enterprising in the system. So no, I I I don't sit here in envying business and throwing rocks at business and 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 blah 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 blah. blah. That's, that's not who I am. I, I don't see business people as as evil. I don't see. Warren Buffett, one of the richest people in, in in the world, I don't see him as an evil person because he's got money. I don't see Bill Gates as evil. I don't see the owner of the Calgary Flames as, as evil. I understand that uh, he had uh, the city of Calgary by the you-know-whats, and uh, he did what business people do when they have a major opportunity. Uh, he seized it, okay? I, I get that. I don't think he's evil for doing that. The city of Calgary and Danielle Smith, the UCP, they did not have to give the billionaire the deal. They gave the billionaire the deal. I didn't think they'd get punished for doing that, and they obviously did not get punished for doing that. But yes, uh, if, if Rachel Notley was the leader of a party that called itself conservative, I have zero doubt that Rachel Notley would be seen in a much better light by many people who are pro-free enterprise and pro-business. But she's the leader of the Orange Group, and that weighs her down. And as far as the campaign was concerned, the moment, I don't, I don't know whose harebrained idea this was, but you have to be a, quote, progressive, or you have to be a socialist, or you have to be anti-capitalist, or you have to be just out of your freaking mind in the middle of an election campaign to talk about increasing a tax, mm -hmm. any tax, yeah. including, yes, the evil corporate tax. I thought that was the stupidest thing ever, and I thought the day they announced that, they were conceding uh, uh, to the United Conservative Party. I, I had, at that point, the intellectual part of me, the thinking part of my brain, had no doubt that Danielle Smith was going to win this thing. Yeah, I agree. Max Fawcett, I think it was, was it, I think Johnny was the day after the election, a couple days after the election, I think it was, when Max joined us. And, and Chuck, he called it. Uh, Same point. Yeah, he basically yeah. said, in his mind, Chuck, that it was the biggest political mistake in recent Canadian history. I mean, that, you know, so, I mean, to, to it put it into perspective, right? You know, no, it, it, it was, it was, a, it was a declaration, no middle of the road party. Let's, let's just use the liberals as an example of putting aside how many people in Alberta feel about the liberals. Just put that aside. Uh, just think of the liberals as the middle of the, the center party, not the left party, maybe center left, but not left. No liberal party uh, would have called for an increase in any tax during a campaign. You have to be left-wing to start thinking about that as a good idea and even celebrating the idea. And they put leg irons on Rachel Notley. After they did that, she had to explain, and she had to say things like, well, uh, we're, we're still, uh, you know, uh, the, it'll still be the, the, the lowest corporate tax in, in Canada. If you're explaining, you're losing. Mm -hmm. And a non-orange party would not have done that. That's the, my, my, my last word on that. 
people have got to understand that, yes, people in Alberta, people everywhere in Canada are moderate, but they are pro-free enterprise. And attacking free enterprise, and that includes corporations that provide opportunities. By the way, I just want Ryan to understand and for the audience to understand, the reason I'm pro-corporation isn't because I'm pro-corporate values and a lot of the BS that goes along with it. The reason I'm pro-corporation is because corporations outsource most of the work that is done, most of the real work. And who do they outsource it? To the people I support the most, small business and family business. They're the ones who benefit from the opportunities that corporations get. And if I have to explain in the province of Alberta that there are thousands and thousands of small business contractors and people employed by small business contractors because of corporations having to, if I have to explain that in Alberta, I will retire. Yeah, we've got a, a a whole bunch of people. It's great to see everybody all fired up on this on this Tuesday. Uh, Noob try again is is chiming in on our comments about our American neighbors. Of course, on the Fourth of July, it's why you and I are talking about this in the first place. But uh, says I know people vote for their area of need, and if you need a job, and Trump promises jobs, it's likely you'll vote for him. You know, even if you don't like him. And it's sad to see so many people follow somebody so crooked. I, I think that's a bullseye right there from Noob try again. Alberta girl says in Alberta the NDP hurt rural Alberta, uh, and she never earned a second chance, but the UCP is on fumes if they don't do something real for rural Alberta. Meantime, you got somebody else here. Who was it? Said that they're getting sick and tired of uh, rural Alberta feeling like they define the province. I mean, it is what it is. I mean, you know, the, the ridings work out the way they do. This is Blaine, who says the 80% of us that live in urban centers are pretty sick and tired of rural people thinking they define Alberta. I bet you rural Albertans probably have something to say about Blaine's comment. You can send us an email anytime to talk at ryanjesperson.com. Hey, before we go any further, uh, Chuck, you mentioned Calgary and, and you talk, you know, Mayor uh, Jody Gondek and and uh, everything that's going on down there, affordable housing crunch, the arena deal, Murray Edwards, the Calgary Flames uh, wanted to let everybody know that Calgary's mayor is going to join us exclusively tomorrow, one on one with Mayor Jody Gondek. Uh, that's coming up on Wednesday's Real Talk. You won't want to miss it. More with Charles Adler in just a second. Of course, these conversations don't happen with the support of amazing Real Talk sponsors, and that includes the family owned business. This is uh, one of Al- Alberta's uh, really most incredible success stories. It's Friesen Brothers in 16 different communities across the province. Every month, Friesen Brothers introduces new Family Essentials Easy Family Meal Solutions. These are simple but really interesting recipes that can be made using the products featured in the Family Essentials Flyer. Uh, And there's a ton of summer recipes in this month's Family Essentials, uh, from barbecue tips to salads to sips. The full flyer available online at Friesen.com. That's F-R-E-S-O-N.com. Friesen Brothers is proudly Alberta-grown and Alberta-owned. This studio is built by the team at Complete Care Restoration. You know, they do a bunch of construction and renovation projects, problem solving, and many of them, including this one, and we're sure grateful for it. But this time of year, they are all hands on deck, helping Albertans recover from fire damage, flood damage, mold and asbestos as well. This is the time of year, obviously, where we see more fire activity than normal. A lot of communities, obviously, unfortunately, are impacted by that. If you're currently speaking with your insurance company and you're looking to rebuild, restore your biggest investment, your home, do not 
miss the mark on this one. Make the best decision you can considering the circumstances and visit completecarerestoration.ca today. We've seen them operate. We've seen the professionalism and even the follow-up really is remarkable. I don't give two thumbs up to just any business, but I put my name behind Complete Care Restoration. Wanted to let you know if you're a professional engineer or maybe you're a younger member of our listening audience about to graduate from an engineering school anywhere in the country, Apex Automation is hiring. That's right. You can check them out online. You just look for the careers link at apexautomation.ca. They're looking for electrical engineers, instrumentation engineers, computer science process, mechanical engineers. You get the point, right? Electricians as well, instrument technicians. If you're looking to work in Western Canada or maybe even down in the Lone Star State, they've just opened a field office in Texas. Apex is at the cutting edge of automation technology and nobody does it better than them. The first step in your exciting new direction could start today with a visit to apexautomation.ca. And if you're living in Edmonton or anywhere near, I wanted to talk to you for a quick second about Civic Service Union 52. CSU 52 represents over 6,000 technical, professional, administrative, and clerical workers. We're talking Capital Power, City of Edmonton, Edmonton's Public Library, EPCOR, the TELUS World of Science. More than 6,000 members working to build in Edmonton with great services, libraries, rec centers, clean water, responsible energy. They're making sure that high demand services are right here around the clock. CSU 52 members are dedicated to an Edmonton you can count on, an Edmonton for everyone. Check out edmontonforeveryone.ca. Charles Adler, our guest on this uh, long weekend Tuesday morning. And uh, Chuck, we were talking about this over the weekend. It went into effect on Saturday. Uh, Edmonton introducing something that, that had been long discussed, and it's not the first Canadian city to do it. Victoria, off the top of my head, is, is one. But Edmonton has officially banned businesses from giving out plastic shopping bags. Forget about it. It's not like they're going to charge more. It is not allowed, along with styrofoam food containers. Uh, I know that not everybody's using styrofoam, but some sure were, including some of our favorite noodle spots. Uh, but they passed this single-use item reduction bylaw back into October. They say that it's basically in response to the fact that, I mean, millions and millions of these items are disposed every single year. 450 million single-use items, they say, thrown away every year, making up to 10,000 tons of garbage. They're trying to turn it around. With change comes protest. A lot of people are ticked off that even if if they take paper bags, say, for example, through a fast food drive through window, people are going to be charged 15 cents. I saw this from a, a lawyer in town, Danica McClellan, a personal friend who says Edmonton's new single use bylaw is ridiculous. She says, of course, people are going to pay the 15 cents for a paper bag. How else are they going to get their food? Well, they're going to have their burger and fries thrown through the window. This is dumb. Sometimes this behavioral change comes at a cost, right? How do you feel about this kind of thing? Well, first of all, uh, you know, I take my my sacks, my Walmart sacks, uh, Safeway, Superstore, you know, whatever. I got a whole bunch of them, um, and and they're cloth uh, or they're or they're something uh, they're there's something other than what's illegal um, or inappropriate or whatever the language is. But anyway, so I, I just I take these bags in with me, and that's that's how I I shop. 
Um, can can people do the same thing at the drive-through? I guess that wouldn't be that wouldn't be sanitary. Somebody would say, "No, you I can't guess. give somebody your, and 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 throw the the burgers in there." But maybe they can't. I don't I don't know. Yeah, I mean, I mean, Johnny, for you, like, I, I mean, I, I guess I will say this: Why are you going to me when he talks about fast food? <laughs> Johnny, you're a big fast food. Johnny, you're big into fast food. No, but I just I just think like I know some of our favorite restaurants, um, in, in particular, I'm thinking of a couple noodle spots have, have used mm-hmm. a lot of the styrofoam stuff. But yeah. but even those have been evolving to to the uh the, the uh aluminum with the uh, clear plastic top, you yeah. know, the fold over stuff that everybody mm-hmm. knows. Um I know that like for for a lot of places, for businesses, and this is probably because Chuck like Chuck, let's be honest, like business uh, for a lot of businesses, profit margins have been more raised thin than ever before over the past few years and they're trying to do whatever they can uh to squeeze every last cent out of every last transaction but but if you don't sort of mandate stuff like this then nobody's going to change anyway right i mean we all love mother earth but at the same time like a lot of people the thought is the right here and now yeah and charles talking about the bags i always forget my bags and i'm the guy who's always like yes this is good for the environment but i always forget them and yeah it you was hypocrite fu- <laughs> it was stinking dade county but Paducah i county hypocrite you <laughs> but i told you like i i sunday i i totally forgot it was coming in, into effect and I, yeah. I ordered some sushi and picked it up and and before i ordered it she says i have to tell you we're going to charge you 30 cents for the two paper bags and you know what I mean, if it comes on to the customer, it's 30 cents. I mean, it's not a big deal for me. I think if if you're going somewhere else and getting a ton of things, maybe if it adds up to a dollar or whatever. But uh, I mean, I think it's a good thing. But, but Johnny, did you se- have the option of, of bringing your own bag to, to that and not no, paying the 30 cents? No, not at all. You, That's you the thing. You couldn't say just put, no, you just can't. put it in my bag. You can't, yeah, can't do you that. Can't. Okay, and, and nobody can't. Like, really, nobody's, I don't know. 15 cents for the bag i mean i'm not going to say that 15 cents is nothing but in the grand scheme 15 cents is nothing and so it, it just to me uh feels like i mean i'm gonna sound like i'm from the canadian taxpayers federation here but it, it just it just feels and it, and it doesn't even sound like the 15 cents is being collected we get paid to be brutally honest if you can if you can afford the 30 or 40 or 50 bucks for the sushi surely to god you can afford yeah. the 15 or 20 cents it was like 80 i too do not want to ape the, uh, the the canadian uh, taxpayers federation here because you know at some they're friends of mine but at some point it's like leave, leave me alone you know yeah. whether it's the, the the people on the fringes of the right or fringes of the left leave me alone if you can afford the if you can afford the 30 40 50 dollars for the order of sushi you can afford the the, the 30 cents or 25 cents or whatever the hell it is uh, for the paper bag and, and and i think the i think that's where the kind of the, the discussion ends unless people really enjoy uh, you know drilling down on on theoretical discussions Mo- most people are practical if it offends you that much to pay an extra 15 or 20 cents take your business elsewhere cook your own sushi although i have no idea how to cook sushi yeah no that's hard i think our lawyer wants us to to let everybody know that that relay communications and real talk does not endorse anybody uh preparing their own sushi unless you have experience in this field yeah you know you've you've had salmon in the fridge for a few days you know you you got to do something quick with it before it turns gray and you go the sashimi route i wouldn't recommend it Uh, i think orthopedic we've got some friends uh, who are orthopedic surgeons they too would recommend that you not prepare your own sushi because anyone you're, you're going to lose you're going to lose some digits. Yeah. Hey. Uh, so Chuck, let me ask you about yeah. this. Nice segue, by the way. Speaking of people in healthcare and those who can or cannot afford some of life's finer things, you see this that Alberta has just Alberta Health Services 
because of the, their obligation as outlined in the Public Sector Compensation Transparency Act, has just released the annual Sunshine List. Alberta Health Services, the largest healthcare organization in the country, releases, this is approximately 2% of the entire staff, okay, of Alberta Health Services employees. They've released the numbers. This is what uh, anybody who makes over, uh, and, and the number changes every year, anybody who makes over $141,183 a year, uh, so let's call it one hundred and forty grand a year, anybody who makes over one hundred and forty grand a year has their compensation posted publicly on the so-called sunshine list and you can go through and i'm just i mean apologies to if, if your name starts at the top of the alphabet here uh your salaries are, are being shown right now uh you know on our youtube broadcast how do you feel i mean this is all about transparency and public disclosure yeah. but but how do you feel about this i i think i kind of have mixed feelings i'm not suggesting the public should be kept in the dark but I don't know. Is it anybody's business that Lorraine Bananola, the registered nurse, is making $229,000 a year? Is that my business? Okay, so that's that's a one. That's yeah. a zero. Yeah. And that's a zero. I am 100% opposed. Once again, I don't care whether you're from rural Alberta, urban Alberta, rural Nova Scotia, urban Nova Scotia, whether you're in the private sector or the public sector. I think of all of it. I know this sounds exotic for some people. I think of us as equals. Nobody in the private sector believes that their salary should be disclosed to the public. I think that people in the public sector deserve, deserve the same treatment. I am 100% opposed to the so-called sunshine list. I don't see it as sunshine. I see it as a dark day for Canada when people are demanding that people's private numbers, that would include their salaries, be disclosed. Yeah, I agree. Uh, this one here, like, for example, from Sylvia says, if you see a nurse on the sunshine list, uh, and by the way, there's tons of them on there. Uh, she says it's because they work lots of overtime, uh, which is really hard. And I know that it is. I mean, I've, I've, I've told the story a million times how I my dad used to take me, you know, my dad would do rounds of the hospital, right? He'd, he'd, he'd work the day in his office in his clinic seeing patients and then he would do his rounds uh in the early evening and, and oftentimes uh, he'd plop me down obviously i wouldn't go into the rooms with him to see the patients so he'd plop me down at the nurse's station and the nurses were i think that like were, it were so wonderful like had just these these memories some of them kind of hard asses uh which in retrospect is is also amazing like they bring that skill set and and you don't as a child understand the stresses that people are under and the things that they do i mean you know i mean geez if we could go into everything that nurses do and and some of the thankless work that's there but there are a ton of registered nurses on this sunshine list uh i mean i could pick and choose and name names but i i don't really mean to i'm just at random but like here's one making 160 like here you know here's a nurse practitioner making 200 grand here's a registered nurse 161 grand number one um and, and somebody making 60 grand doesn't want to hear me talk about how 160 grand isn't as much as it used to be uh, but if you're working, uh, you know, through the course of a pandemic or otherwise in a strained healthcare system, burning the candle at both ends uh, with the cost of living where it's at and everything else, 160 grand is far from outrageous. And again, we don't I don't post my salary or, or, or what I make uh, for public consumption. Like you said, nor do any private companies. That's extremely private. I mean, people working side by side in work cubicles most times don't know what their colleague is making, let alone all of the general public. 
And I especially think, and again, like we said, this is an obligation under that Transparency Act. So I don't know. I mean, if this could be changed, it might be a political powder keg to propose pulling out the sunshine list. But if you look at the angst and anger and abuse that a lot of healthcare professionals have put up with over the last while, I think, you know, this just pours gas on the fire. No context, no details, just straight up numbers. And of course, the loudest critics here will be doing the math and realizing that they're making half as much as a paramedic or they're making half as much as a pharmacist. And that's going to piss them off just because they'd like to make that much money too. They don't have any of the details over how or why the person made that much money. All they know is that it makes them upset. How, how many people uh, who are Edmonton Oilers fans uh, don't want multimillionaires like Connor McDavid on the team? Raise your hands. Mm. Right. So some people make more money than other people. Uh, and uh, if uh, you want to make that kind of money and you want to uh, try to skate in those skates or you know work in those... Uh, you know, nurses' shoes, go for it, you know, get that work. But it, just sitting there envying and resenting and hating on and throwing rocks at people, uh, that's that's dumb uh, negative behavior. You know, my grandmother taught me that envy was cancer. She would say it just like that. Uh, it is. Uh, and it's a cancer on our society. Uh, and it's a cancer to constantly pander to the impulses of those people who just sit around and want to throw rocks at people who are doing better than them. I'm just, I'm just not into it. I'm, I'm certainly not into the, the government enabling it. Uh, do we have time for a, a nurse story? Buddy, we got, got time for whatever you want. It's okay, Tuesday after a long a, weekend. We're just shooting I, I, the shit, man. I, I learned, uh, I learned uh, how to respect and, and why to respect nurses at a very young age. I was nine years old, and I was uh, driving a, a bicycle. So just to set up the, the bicycle story, it was only a few weeks earlier uh, that a person who happened to be paying rent to my dad, we owned a little duplex, uh, we were able to make a little more money by living upstairs because renting out the downstairs of the duplex, uh, downstairs could command another $20 a month. So we lived upstairs so we could get an extra $20. So I think we, we got about and, $120 uh, to rent the downstairs. Anyway, the person who was renting uh, the uh, duplex from us, it was a married couple, and um, he uh, needed a, a, a. He said he needed a new fridge. His fridge wasn't working properly. So my father said, uh, "Look, uh, I don't have a new fridge. We can't afford uh, a new fridge. Uh, I want you to have an, a, a fridge that's operational. Uh, so if you don't mind, I'm going to buy a, a used fridge, but it'll be in good working order. And if it's not in good working order, we'll get you another one that is." And the person responded to my father with. Hitler should have finished the job. Jeez. Okay. Uh, so I was nine years old when I heard that. I still get a little effed up when I tell the story, but I'm telling the story for a much larger reason. And uh, I, you know, uh, go, go through life uh, suppressing certain feelings because the story is more important than, than my feelings. Okay. Uh, this is what I do. Uh, it was just a few weeks after that incident where I was on my bicycle, as I mentioned earlier, and uh, I was, I guess, picking up speed. I was driving on the sidewalk, and you've got those those driveways, those inclines and declines or whatever. And so my, my bicycle was picking up speed, and I was uh, looking at someone across the street on their bicycle who I was in love with. I was nine years old when I, in, in my mind, fell in love for the first time, and it was a girl named Mary. And Mary lived across the street. I had a crush on Mary. So I was crushing on Mary, 
and I was watching Mary and I lost control of my bicycle. I took a very, very bad fall. So this person's wife, and I'll just call her Smith, Mrs. Smith, okay, saw me take that fall. She immediately brought me into her home, which was the downstairs of the home that we had. Both my parents were working people and they were off working at their jobs. So she took me in and uh, she did everything that it took uh, to patch me up, not just physically, but mentally. She took great care of me. And I foolishly, foolishly assumed that she was taking such good care of me because she felt guilty about what her husband had told my father a few weeks earlier. And I said to her, I said, it's not your fault that your husband said what he said. You don't have to, you don't have to treat me better uh, because of that. And she said, my husband's hatred for Jews has nothing to do with why I'm patching you up. I'm doing this because I'm a nurse. Mm. Thanks for sharing that, Chuck. It's amazing stuff. Uh, boy, can I state the obvious and suggest that it's really incredible how someone's professionalism combined with an act of kindness still resonates with you in a big way decades later. I oftentimes wonder if, if people realize that completely, you know, how they conduct themselves in any given moment uh, could sear its way into someone's soul. Do you know what I mean? Like for the you rest know, of their you don't, life. You don't, you, don't, you don't stop being a police officer when you're off duty. Hmm. Uh, you don't stop uh, being a minister uh, when, uh, you know, it's not Sunday. Uh, you don't stop being a nurse uh, because you've already put in your 80 or 90 God D hours. Mm. And uh, I can't stand the thought of people today, whether they're paying attention to this show or, or some other show, I can't stand the thought of pe people saying, those nurses are making too much money. Are you effing kidding me? Yeah, It's one of the most honorable professions ever. And I'm delighted. I know it's not Canada Day today, but in my life, Every day is, 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 is Canada Day. My, my entire career is a thank you card to Canada. And it's a thank you card to that particular Mrs. Smith when I was nine years old, which was about 60 years ago. She probably isn't even with us anymore. Rest, rest in peace. Rest in truth. Bless you. Bless your heart. Bless the heart of all nurses who are committed to doing what that nurse did for me when I was nine years old. She patched me up because I was effed up, and without mm -hmm. her, I don't know where I would have ended up. But the point is, I've been saved several times in this world by honorable Canadians and honorable Americans. Some of them have been nurses, and I'll be damned if I do any show, including this blessed show that brought me out of the, 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 the communications coffin, because I was prepared to just spend the rest of my life away from all of this. Uh, based on the last couple of years of, of, of radio, I'm not going to get into that right now. This is a, a celebration day. Uh, this is Independence Day in the U.S. Uh, we're still into a, a Canada Day weekend uh, for, for a lot of people. But God love the nurses. And uh, no, I don't believe in the sunshine list. And I don't care whether the nurses are making 100000 200000 or 500000 They are working their tailbones off mm -hmm. for all of us. And they are working not just during their shift. They are working 24-7. You never stop being a nurse. Thank uh, you. Uh, I, 
I might push back on 500 grand for nurses. If, if, if we're keeping it real, I'm pushing back at half a million. Greg says if we were equals, then he says uh, disclosing everyone's salary should be published for everybody. That's the only way that people can be more equal. Uh, Bunny Slippers says private organizations try to make sure their employees don't talk to one another and compare salaries. 100% true. There are some really interesting websites out there where people disclose their salaries anonymously. They'll just say, like, I'm a software engineer or I'm an elementary school teacher. They'll say what state or province they're in. So people do have some sort of information, some sort of benchmark when they're going in to negotiate for themselves. Uh, Alyssa says, I've worked in the public sector. No one's getting rich. It's completely disgusting. Bry Guy says, I hate the sunshine list and I am all about trying transparency they should just list the number of people uh, they didn't start making that money day one uh, this is after years of experience and schooling and, and practicums greg follows up to say if workers knew how much their boss was making uh, it may make it so that people are paid more equally for how much work they put into the company uh, Jill says putting somebody's salary without context of what they do or their workload is ridiculous. Um, but people these days love forming opinions and getting angry when shown half a picture and given half truths. Uh, Virtuous Sloth says not disclosing salaries is 100% about allowing the power holder, the employer, to pay the people at the bottom less. Uh, Kathy says, I think it's fine to show the full amount spent on staffing. I like that idea. So we can look at how much overtime is being paid out. Great point, Kathy. Uh, she says, but I don't think I like seeing it broken down individually. Um, you know, Haas says nobody's obligated uh, to have a government job. In other words, it comes with the territory. So, so deal with it, I guess. Um, it says, by the way, pro sports is false equivalence. Sure. Uh, yeah, I, I mean, I don't know. I, I, I just think that. It just see maybe make if if you want to have a sunshine list we do we just said 500k make it 500k make it a million I don't know I mean if somebody finds out that a neurosurgeon uh you know somebody that's literally you know using a saw to cut through craniums to operate on brains uh, is making 1.4 million a year uh, then I would suggest that we can all agree that we don't want somebody that we're we, you know we were able to dupe them and get them to sign for 45 grand to go do brain surgeries like I don't think that's who we want in the hospitals somebody cracking chests open doing heart transplants like yeah pay them a million and a half and, and let them do you know a surgery or four surgeries a week or wh whatever it is that they're doing I just I just don't think that like, you know, if you're making 150K busting your ass that your neighbor who believes that the earth is flat and that the vaccines are a big conspiracy from, you know, Klaus Schwab and, and George Soros and the World Economic Forum. And that, you know, chemtrails are causing forest fires and turning men into women, like we heard at Leduc City Council on Monday. I don't think that that guy needs to know that a paramedic, uh, after working 80 hours a week in the most trying time of their life, is making enough, you know, to, to be able to, like, I don't know, feed their family more than craft dinner. To me, I just, I, it just feels wrong. And, and I'm not, I'm the last guy that's going to, you know, I mean, like I said, everyone's saying, well, I'm all about transparency. Who's not like who wants to feel like they have the wool pulled over their eyes all the time? Nobody. But I just think $141,183 is way too low of a floor for a sunshine list. Sunshine, even the name of it, it, it makes it sound like they got the, they, they, they wear flip flops to work and they drink Corona's at lunch. <laughs> the sunshine list. I want to I, I live in a country where we can afford the best nurses, the best doctors, the best neurosurgeons, the best. I want to live in that kind of country because if we live in a kind of country where people have to be ashamed or apologize for their success, 
and their achievement, we are going to have a Bush League country. Most countries in the world are Bush League. Canada is first class. Canada is world class. But that doesn't mean we automatically stay there. This kind of thing, this mass envy thing, is the kind of thing that can drag the country down. And people may decide to drag this country down, but I'm not part of that. I'm not cheerleading for Canada's demise. Never. Yeah. Amen. You believe what you saw in Didsbury? You see this this tornado footage, Chuck? It was about Saturday, uh, early afternoon, about one yeah, thirty on real Saturday. Deal. This was the real deal. Wow. Uh, Johnny's grabbed some video uh, for us here. If, if you're listening on the podcast, I mean, you, you probably know already, but that this was uh, due to one of those supercell storms, right? These big, prolonged thunderstorms and, and the conditions just right. Didsbury, you know, just kind of south of Red Deer, approximately-ish, halfway between Red Deer and Calgary um, and and Johnny, this one touched down. I think the numbers are what about? Four, they said fourteen homes seriously damaged, five homes completely destroyed. Some thankfully no loss of human life, uh, but but about twenty five cows killed, a horse put down, some chickens as well. Um, you know they they were saying that you know biggest storm we've seen in about the last twenty five years. Pine Lake, of course, was a big one in Alberta. Uh, Twelve souls lost that day, and of course Edmonton in nineteen eighty seven Black Friday. Uh, 27 people killed in that storm, but uh, I don't know, man. This is just, you see footage like this, uh, moving about 30 kilometers an hour, uh, just leaving a swath of destruction. For some reason, I guess I every once in a while, I sort of find myself thinking this stuff only happens in Oklahoma, but here it is right in our own backyard. Best cheese I've ever had, made in Didsbury. I used to endorse their, their company when I was doing the hot talk out of Calgary. And uh, I can't remember the name of the cheese company. I just remember Kate, because uh, Kate was uh, wonderful. Uh, it was her family that, that owned it. And I'm told that they, they sold it a number of years ago. But the factory still exists. So for whoever is owning it, operating it, and I hope making millions of dollars on the greatest cheese I've ever had in Didsbury, a big shout-out to you. And I hope uh, this uh, tornado this. did not affect you, your family, Wild. your business, and my sympathy to all those people who were affected. But I just want to remind folks, if they're looking for the best cheese ever, it comes from that cheese factory in Didsbury, Alberta. We got to make sure that they're selling it at Friesen Brothers, Chuck. You know, make sure that people can get their hands on it. Um, yeah, I can't even believe this. This footage is just absolutely wild. This isn't kind of one of those, you know what I'm talking about, right? Someone will say, uh, you know, a, a funnel cloud, a twister was spotted somewhere, and we get all excited about it. This yeah. is the real deal. This is legit. Um, hey, you are, uh, fr from tornadoes to the titan of talk, uh, you are launching today uh, a pretty exciting project. So tell us what's going on. If people want more Charles Adler, they can put it in their veins starting today. Well, um, uh, you know, I've had uh, this is my third uh, life as a public communicator. The first was a, a DJ, which also became uh, about uh, journalism. So that was the first number of years uh, that started in 1973, uh, 74. And then uh, in 1989, uh, 90, I had the golden opportunity of uh, starting my talk radio career in, in Calgary. And uh, that was my second life. And uh, that lasted well over 30 years. <laughs> the pandemic kind of put an end to that. My my passion was was drained uh, during the uh, during the pandemic when I was instructed to respect Charles. You're a professional. You have to respect these people. 
these people are the kind of people that you described earlier, the anti-vaxxers and the uh, conspiracists and whatever. And, and I, I was told to essentially fake respect for the first time in my life where I was told to fake uh, how I felt and, and and what I what I believed about anything. Anyway, that that drained the uh, the passion uh, from uh, talk radio for me. Uh, it was uh, sayonara time. Anyway, um, that was a, a couple of years ago. I uh, retired. I didn't retire bitter, but I retired going. It you know it's never going to get it better. So I'm, I'm I'm glad it's behind me. Ryan Jesperson convinced me to to climb out of the uh, the communications coffin a couple of years ago. So I'll always be grateful uh, for that. And Ryan will be my very first guest today on my very first podcast as I enter my third uh, communications uh, life. And I have no idea what Ryan and I will. Uh, We'll talk about, just like I have no idea what Ryan and I will talk about every Monday, or in this case, Tuesday after a, a long weekend. But I'm sure we'll I'm sure we'll come up with something. And we did come up with a name. Ryan and I got came up with a, a very original and exotic name uh, for the new podcast. It's okay, what is called, it? Are, are you ready for this? Yeah, okay. Folks, it's being called The Charles Adler Show. Wow! Really? Yeah. Wow. It's amazing. I <laughs> just, it's, it, you might, you know, our whole thing is about real talk and just, just, just tell the freaking truth. Just tell the truth. That's what's called. There's no, there's no need for any fancy schmancy name. It's me. It's my one-on-one -on -one relationship with the listener. It doesn't matter how many listeners we have. We could have a hundred thousand. We could have a hundred million. It doesn't matter. I treat everyone one-on-one. -on -one. I've been doing that for over 50 years, no matter what phase of my public communications life I've been in. And that continues today. And the best thing about a podcast, as Ryan well knows, is it's not appointment tuning. You can be a productive person in a nine to five type traditional job. And you don't have to worry about missing it because we're on at 10 o'clock in the morning or two o'clock in the afternoon with a podcast we are on just like that wonderful Mrs. Smith nurse who saved my life. We are on with podcasting 24 seven. Beautifully said, pal. And uh, you and I both know, and this audience knows. As Here's well. the deal. I have uh, never seen Johnny Depp's think, underwear. You know, Anyone who's serving in Johnny Depp's. Really struggling right now. Some of them just closing shop is because people's habits have changed. Not are changing. They have changed. The way that people get their information, including talk, uh, is now into the new era and uh, I'm super excited for you people can subscribe to the Charles Adler show wherever they get their podcasts and I can't wait to step into the studio with you in just a few hours for episode one an absolutely huge honor to be your first guest Chuck and uh, in so many ways as you give me credit for pulling you out of this communications coffin uh, you helped in a huge way launch my career and put me on the national stage uh, on terrestrial radio and I'll always be grateful for that so Chuck uh, congratulations on that in advance. I've got a surprise for Chuck. You do? Chuck, I have put together some of your best moments. Oh, no. And, is this uh, what I think it is? <laughs> here they are. For oh, you. Chuck, we've been holding on to this one. Uh, here we go, Adler. Please enjoy this. Buckle up. Here's the deal. I have never seen Johnny Depp's underwear. Anyone who's serving in Johnny Depp's underwear, they represent us. There are people out there, the same right-wing nut jobs, who just keep, you know, sucking on Johnny Depp's underwear. What would Michael Cooper, Danielle Smith, Lisa Laflamme, the people who run that shit show, would he have just given 5 million Canadians Johnny Depp's underwear? This is what you happens guys. if we don't give you Johnny, guys. if Johnny has too much free time on his hands, this Johnny, is what happens. Johnny, if, 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 if Ryan's not paying you as well as he pays his neurosurgeon, <laughs> you're getting ripped off, Johnny. I'm going to...
<laughs> I'm going to organize a union oh. and threaten to put Ryan Jesperson out of business unless you get paid $1.4 million because you got talent, son. You got a lot of talent. Hey, listen. So but Johnny's had that in his back pocket for about six months. Back and when we he, did his original promo. And he said, and he said, when can we deploy this? I said, well, you will know when the time is right. So I guess he's keeping you humble right now. Hey, Muddy Otters Pottery says, I'm so excited for your podcast, Charles. Congratulations. Everybody's saying good luck. Alberta Girl says, this is great news. I can't get enough of you on Real Talk. Uh, and Virtuous Sloth just says, Johnny Depp's underwear. <laughs> Hey, Adler, we'll talk to you again in a few hours, pal. Mad respect and congratulations again. All right. Well, I'm wearing Johnny Depp's underwear right now, and it feels good. I don't know what he paid for it. I don't know. Check the sunshine list for Johnny Depp's underwear. There you go. Emmy award-winning host, Charles Adler. What a guy. Oh, I can't believe you finally had the chance to use that. <laughs> How excited were you? Yeah, yeah. We thought about releasing that at the same time as his original <laughs> promo, but it didn't work out. No, no. Uh, I know that our friends at the Dairy Queens of Northwest Edmonton and Sherwood Park don't go anywhere, by the way. An Alberta-themed positive reflection out of the United States. What? Coming up in just a second. Uh, but that Johnny Depp's underwear feature officially presented by the Dairy Queens of Northwest Edmonton and Sherwood Park, where you can hit one of their drive-thrus in Johnny Depp's underwear. Palisades, Nemeo, Newcastle, Westmount, Baseline Road. The blizzard that I want to focus on today is the Choco Dipped Strawberry Blizzard. All right, this is a classic with a twist. The Choco Dipped Strawberry Blizzard Treat combines sweet strawberry topping and choco chunks with their world-famous soft serve to bring you the mouth-watering flavors of summer any time of year. They know that sweet, juicy strawberry flavors are the pinnacle of summer, and when you add some Choco, you've got a refreshingly sweet summer treat. Keep your flip-flops and your beach towel close. Sunshine and summertime are always close by when you taste the DQ Choco Dipped Strawberry Blizzard Treat at a Dairy Queen in Northwest Edmonton or Sherwood Park. That's the sunshine list I want to read. The one with all the best blizzards on it. It's got That's such a good name. I, I'm it guessing does. it's called the sunshine list because it it's it's shedding light on people's I don't know it's salaries. Just, it, or... It's weirdly named. It's weirdly yeah, constructed. It is weirdly named. I just don't. <laughs> Speaking of sunshine, though, you want to enjoy your outdoor space like you had never have before. You want to bring it to life. Take two seconds today to check out landscapeedmonton.ca. In particular, if you check out the portfolio link, you can see some of the work that Mike and his team have completed over the past few summers. The ultra-modern designs, the natural beauty. Obviously, different folks are looking for different looks when it comes to their landscape design. Eden Landscaping is one of the best in the country. When it comes to taking folks' dreams and turning them into reality, a full-service contractor, which means right from the very beginning, like Mike and his team combing through your Pinterest board all the way through to, well, them giving you your backyard back finished project, you're not having to deal with any of the subcontracting BS. They take all the stress out of it. They keep the joy infused, which is what's supposed to happen. All of their projects have one thing in common, and that is happy clients. You can check them out online, Eden Landscaping at landscapeedmonton.ca. 
And before we get to positive reflections today, we wanted to remind you that if you're a decision maker in Alberta or Saskatchewan, whether your business has five employees or 5,000, uh, or maybe you're working for a municipality, if you have anything to do with the decision on garbage and recycling or any of those landfill services, do yourself a favor, save yourself some money right now. Makes you look better, right? Bring that budget down with local environmental. Now, they've been keeping it local for for many, many years, and the proof is in the pudding. You know, clients, even real talkers, have let us know that when they took five minutes to request a quote from localenvironmental.ca, they saved money right off the top. And it's not just that. Yeah, better prices, obviously great for the bottom line, but better service and more support for local causes. Uh, These are uh, employees that work where they live, live where they work. If you're in Edmonton, an area, Whitecourt, an area, Regina, an area, and you're one of those decision makers, make yourself look good today by requesting a quote at localenvironmental.ca. There was so much to cover today. And then, yeah. of course, you know, we knew July 4th. We wanted to get into to some of the talk stateside with Adler. And, and, yeah. and, you know, once we get people on the heels of a long weekend chatting, just like at the water coolers, mm-hmm. uh, you know, we kind of get carried away a little bit and have a lot of fun with it. But but there were some other things that happened over the weekend that, that I think deserved a little bit of attention, including some of the remnants of that Titan sub that were brought up from the ocean floor, about 13,000 feet down. And this is a story that, that a lot of people have been covering. And Johnny some insight into what the experience that what proved to be a a fatal uh, trip was like for the five people on board yeah so we've got kind of the last photo taken here of the the billionaire and his 19 year old son that's pretty sad photo that came out over the weekend but also now we're getting we're getting pictures of the wreckage which you know i thought this thing was going to be in pieces but these are pretty pretty big large chunks it's they're, more intact than i thought yeah they're pulling very large pieces of, of sheet metal or whatever this is off the ocean floor uh some of the sad news also coming with this i don't know exactly how they know this but apparently it's it's been leaked that somehow maybe with the black box recorder or whatever the equivalent is in this sub they do know that it was i know this sounds sad but it was very cold in the sub in the last hours uh before it imploded and also that the last thing they were doing was listening to music so i guess they were told to bring uh some warm socks a hat because it does get cold down there and and a playlist of their favorite music so uh, if you can imagine that scenario, that scene of them sitting in the cold, in the dark, and just listening to music in their final hours, that's that's pretty sad to think about. So. Yeah, you know, people are learning more about this and what they're describing is basically just a, a, a cavalier attitude towards safety. And, and of course, a bunch of people are, are, are paying very close attention as, as more details uh, unfold on this and as the investigation uh, continues putting a, a lot of attention on the fact that this doomed vessel had been dropping weights at some point yeah. during its descent, whether that was a routine uh, part of that or an effort to, to abandon the, the mission and, and to abandon it and, and have that sub, uh, you know, have the ability to, to you know, resurface. Uh, people don't know really ultimately what happened, but they say, you, you know, you, you need to be able to read the dive log to know what weights are being dropped. Uh, they say what they do know is this, though, that the sub was located pretty much exactly where it was supposed to be uh, because the sub didn't carry a flight data recorder. Like you said, they're reliant on comms between the sub and the ship above. And so when they lost comms, mm-hmm. uh, they lost insight into what may have happened. But they do know that the implosion took mere milliseconds. And so. 
I don't know. It's it, it, it's one of these weird things where I guess when you look at it, a, a really, really, unf- I don't know why I'm stopping myself from using the word tragedy. Mm-hmm. It is a tragedy. I mean, you, you talk to the to the to the families, the surviving families. Obviously, this is a tragedy. Mm-hmm. But we have had we've had this wrestling match, this mental wrestling match on the show uh, involving many of you, our audience members, uh, you know, comparing this or stacking this up against you know, the, the, this migrant ship, this ship carrying hundreds of people that yeah. drowned um, at the same time uh, and, 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 and the deplorable lack of attention, of global attention, of rescue efforts, mm-hmm. of anything that anybody paid to it. Um, and I've seen a bunch of people sort of insisting the real tragedy is that, not this. Uh, I don't know that it needs to be a competition. Um, it's all lot, brutal. It's so, and there's so much anger now. The, the kind of sadness has turned into anger, especially online. There's lots of details coming out about failed attempts that this sub took in the weeks leading up where they yeah. knew they had to change things. Actually, Paul Henry, the, the Titanic expert who was on there, went on a previous mission in the same sub and lost communication and was stuck inside it for days. Jeez. Uh, they said just under three days. So this had happened before. And they still went out there that day. So a lot of anger online about this as well. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, Alberta Girl says, another sad example of what happens when science is denied. Jeez. We might have to call this the Alberta girl rule. I feel I feel like if, if you get a comment, this this could be the Jillian rule. This could be the Lauren rule. There, there's been a few in our live chat. Mm-hmm. Alyssa, I can think of. Tony, Kathy, Karen. Uh, if, if if you have three comments read in one show, mm-hmm. I feel like you should win something. Yeah. Yeah. What could it be? We've got some Real Talk t-shirts. Yeah. We've, got some, we've got some cool swag. Well, we're about ready soon here. We're going to be launching Super Chat as well for you guys. So we're, we're going to get some comments on the screen. Tell people what that is. So basically, Super Chat is if you make a small donation, we're not going to say what you should pay, but you know, you, you put a dollar here, a dollar there. We're gonna we're gonna put your comment on the screen. Of course, we're gonna screen them. There there'll be no you know derogatory comments, things like that. So there won't be like Jesperson is a cock. Uh, up there I, for I like forty. Okay. Oh, that would make it past the screeners. <laughs> I'll, I'll okay. let that one okay, pass. Well, I mean, if if they give us a thousand dollars, you can yeah, put that sure. up there for an hour. That's but good. also, we're we're getting very close to eleven thousand subscribers. We actually just went up. We're at we're at ten thousand uh, nine hundred seventy-five. So we'd love it if if there's twenty-five people in here today. Uh, either watching on the podcast or maybe you're listening to the podcast later, go to our YouTube page, uh, give us a like because our subscribers are going up faster than they ever have before. It took us, took us a while to get to 10,000 and now, boom, we're already almost at 11,000. So thank well, you. We to finally everyone figured out what we're doing. Yeah. <laughs> which which did help. <laughs> it did help when we figured out what the fuck we're doing. Uh, Tracy says, what a great show today. I haven't laughed this hard in a while. Tracy, that's music to our ears. We know what it's like the day after a long weekend. And, uh, you know, in, in so many ways, like Chuck and I always say, like, we don't know what we're going to talk about. We do know a tiny little bit, but we also want to let it flow. We said, let's just treat this like most people treat the first day back after a long weekend. We'll ease you back into your week. I'll tell you more about what's coming up in just a second. Uh, the next three episodes of Real Talk going to be absolute bangers. Looking forward to it. Uh, but before we do, at the, at the end of, uh, uh, basically every first episode of the week. Uh, so this week it's a Tuesday. Usually it's on a Monday. Our friends at Kubi Renewable Energy, who are hiring, by the way, if you're an electrician, an installer, you want to be part of Canada's green energy movement, check out kubienergy.ca. They give us reason to smile. They fill our buckets a little bit. They find the silver linings 
It's a weekly tradition we call Positive Reflections. And this one is super cool. Now, this is out of the Blackfeet Nation in Montana, but there's an Alberta angle on this story. Just over the weekend, an event nine years in the making. Uh, Back in 2016, it first started 30 bison uh, from Alberta arrived down in Montana, and then they were placed in a special grazing enclosure to test for disease. This weekend, they were ready to be released. How cool is that? The release site near Glacier National Park in Montana, right around Chief Mountain, which is an area steeped in Blackfeet significance. Uh, Blackfeet Councilman Lauren Monroe Jr. called this absolutely epic. Now, the bison are going to roam free. They're being reintroduced to this land, to this territory. This is something that almost no bison herd in the United States will be able to do. Now, there are massive fenced-in reserves, but they're so large that experts are saying the bison will not see these fences for years at a time. A historian from the Blackfeet Nation said that these animals, bison, are almost always behind a fence, even when in a large area. So one thing that scientists don't even know is where bison want to go. They don't know where they want to go. Well, now they will. And of course, it's uh, not just, uh, I mean, ancestral impact here on present day leadership. It's not just the cultural significance, but the scientific significance as well. This is a major story. How cool is this? 30 bison from Alberta released Uh, right near Chief Mountain in Montana, the Blackfeet Nation here. It's a story that just made us absolutely, I mean, I just got a a chill when I saw that video for the first time. And you can hear some of the community members just absolutely exclaiming uh, how proud they are. Listen to this. This is an incredible moment. There they go. Incredible animals. And here it comes. And off they go in a cloud of dust. An amazing story out of Blackfeet Nation. We want to thank Laurel, who shared that video with us. She said, I feel like this might be a good one for positive reflection. And it sure was. You can send us an email anytime to talk at ryanjesperson.com. As mentioned, coming up on Wednesday's show, we've got Calgary's Mayor Jody Gondek. She's going to join us for a one-on-one. If you have a question you want me to ask her, make sure you send it in ahead of time. We'll get to as many as we can. Thursday, he's a popular weathercaster out of the state of Iowa, but he's walking away from his broadcast career. He says reporting the truth about climate change is just too stressful. It's taking its toll on his mental health, but he's off to a new and exciting opportunity. We're going to get to that broadcast professional who might set a trend. You never know. And then on Friday, to reflect on their first series, their first full year as co-hosts of Steel and Vance on Check out of BC, the return of some of our most popular and beloved guests, Jody Vance, Linda Steele, will join us forming our Real Talk Roundtable this Friday. Plus, we'll be staying on top of news of the week, and we want to hear from you. Let us know what you'd want to hear more of this summer. The show, you'll feel it. We'll get a little less sort of political and angsty and a little more exploratory. We're going to find the stories nobody's talking about. We're going to show you some of the cool innovation that's happening, and we're going to feature some of the community contributors that are really making big strides and taking people with them bettering our ways of life setting an example for the rest of us 
If this is lighting a fire under you and you're going, you know who we need to hear on Real Talk? I've got the perfect guest. You can let us know by sending us an email anytime. Thanks to those of you that subscribe to our weekly email. You can do so by visiting our website. Just scroll down to the bottom of the page at ryanjesperson.com. Welcome back from the long weekend, friends. Make it a great Tuesday. Get that rest you need, and we'll see you again tomorrow. Real Talk is hosted by Ryan Jesperson, Executive Producer Josh Dunford, Technical Producer John Hicks, General Manager Katie Cook-Chivers, Account Coordinator Lawrence Durlego, Human Resources Lena Shepard, Website Design Mike Johnston, VoiceOver by me, Carrie Skelton. Real Talk's editorial board is Sapria Duvetti, Ahmed Ali, Brandi Morin, Ann Castleman, Corey Hogan, Harmon Candola, Catherine O'Neill, and Chris Henderson. Member Emerita, Julie Rohr. Real Talk is recorded in Edmonton, Alberta on Treaty 6 territory, the traditional and ancestral territory of the Cree, Dene, Blackfoot, Soto, and Nakota Sioux, home to the Métis settlements and the Métis Nation of Alberta. Real Talk is a relay project. For more, check out ryanjasperson.com.